alongside schools to improve student performance and well-being. Our aim is to discuss current psychological research in relation to education, reinforcing good practice and sharing techniques from the wider world of performance psychology. This episode welcomes the Mindfield Podcast's first guest, Paul Foster. As the Senior Vice Principal for Hayes Secondary School, Director of the Impact Teaching Schools Alliance, Teaching School Representative for the South East and South London, and a History and Politics teacher, Paul is right on the front line of education. He is extremely passionate about the learning, performance and well-being of young people, as well as the continued development of himself and the teachers around him. Paul's passion, insight and experience make for a great discussion. We hope you enjoy episode four, part two, a conversation with Paul Foster. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your well-being, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Um, we heard from your multiple sort of job roles there that you are no doubt a very busy man at work. Mm-hmm. You also have children. Um, I do. You know, it'd be great to get some tips and advice and things that you've learned with your sort of positivity and your your ability and your want to try things um, that we could sort of share. Yeah, I mean, I think I've I've learned um, in some respects through from my mistakes. Um, you know, I think um, one of the things that that I'm passionate about is being you know a lifelong learner. And I think one of the reasons why I'm smiling and I'm passionate and enthusiastic about a lot of things is that my mind is always open to learn new things. Uh, and so a lot of the things that I think I do to to try and manage my own mental health and well-being have been things that I've learned, picked up, read about. Um, you know, there was uh, an article that used to be in the back of the, the, the Guardian Saturday magazine that called This Ar- this this Article Would Change Your Life by Oliver Berkman. Uh, and he did it? <laughs> well, no, probably not. But um, I did used to read it, and it was through things like that that I was first introduced to certain ideas around things like mindfulness, meditation, and other things like that. Um, so, so there is, I think, you know, being open to learning new things and being open to to finding ways to manage your own health and well-being is probably the first thing that I would say that I've been doing, and that's one of the reasons that that I'd say I've got some good approaches. I'll, I, you know, I th- some of it, I guess. Um, you know, you, you, we talk about the swan, swan effect. You know, the idea that on the outside it's all grace and elegance, and on underneath the water paddling like crazy. And th- you know, there are times when that that's the case. And I think anybody who talks about managing their mental health and well-being from a good, from a positive point of view, or trying to give tips, or as uh, you know, be a role model in any sense, will feel a fraud, because none of us don't uh, you know go through life without those days when no. we turn and we snap about usually the ones we care about the most because we're struggling to manage the pressures and stresses and strains of everyday life and it's um, also effort and also there are times when you get the balance and you get it right in different settings you know there are times when everyone at work will say god how are you so happy and cheerful and positive and you know my wife will say why are you so stressed and struggling to manage yeah. with, with everything and so quiet and remove and disengaged when you first come through the door at home you know i've left work smiling bouncing happy got in from work and you know and shut down and just said i need a bit of time and let me cook dinner and just have a moment to myself you know though there's no doubts that you know that that kind of you know scenario there's we're all striving to get a balance and to 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 get that level of self-awareness uh, and and think carefully about how we can manage our own mental health and well-being all the time and we're all learning and we're all getting it wrong at times um, but but you, but you said right at the top there 
it's that ability and want to learn from their mistakes mm. and and seek out new ways of doing things. Yeah, and I think I think you know, if for me, my mindset has shifted so much. So on the times when I get get it wrong, I I see it as an opportunity to learn and get better, and I see the responsibility for that very much with myself and I think if I look back to my younger self when I perhaps wasn't quite effect as effective as that I'd blame everybody else for the you know the things that they'd said or done that had made me irritate irritable and snappy and argumentative or you know or you know re disengaged or removed and and not look to myself for that um, or I just wouldn't have that self-awareness you know I think in my 20s in particular um, you know, s someone, my wife, my my f my sister, my my parents would turn around and say, Are "You all right?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, no, I'm fine." And yeah. then and they said, "Well, you just don't see yourself at the moment." And I don't think I had that awareness actually of times when I was feeling the pressure or stressed or struggling with my work-life balance, my you know my 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 workload. So I think you know that commitment to just being more aware, thinking, learning, developing, trying things is something that I've you know really embraced probably more is in my later life than in my earlier life but i think that's that's good he's not in a later life by the way <laughs> but how did that develop how did you sort of is it is it that willingness to learn i think i've always had that passion for learning in an educational sense so i've always been a you know a knowledge seeker i've I, I've, I've never been satisfied with going that someone areas someone else's areas of expertise or knowledge and so I'll have to, you know, you know, and just accept that. I've always like, well, I want to know more. I want to learn more. I want to find out. Um, uh, I've I've always, you know, really strongly subscribed to. You know, there's a quote on my wall over there, uh, the Helen Keller one. Uh, a well-educated mind will always have more questions than answers, and I'm passionate about that. I always want to know. I should <laughs> point out, setting-wise, we're sat in Paul's office, and it is. There's quotes everywhere, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. What sort of, what's the driving force behind that? Just them little reminders, just to... Yeah, I think, you know, some of them are tools for when I'm dealing with students. Okay. You know, I'll be honest, you know, this is a working office. I'm a teacher uh, and a school leader. And so some of them I'll, I will point direct young people to. Um, so, you know, ones like the T.S. Eliot one over there, only those who are willing to risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. I will show that to young people and I'll talk about taking risks in your learning about making mistakes and that's okay and that's part of you know learning so some of them are for that reason but actually what you what you say there a lot of them are reminders for me you know they are though when in those moments you know you know there's ones on there like how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives Annie Dillard well it's funny you should pick that Annie Dillard one because if you were to say to me what would be the things that my tips or the things that I've done to help really manage my well-being that one has probably had more influence and re resonance on on me in recent years than any other. It's because I, you know, I, and I've actually actively used that. So I've sat down and I've said to myself, "What do I want to do with my life? Yeah. And how much of my day is dedicated to those things?" Um, and so, you know, I've sat down and I have, you know, at, at you know, I wouldn't most people would say like at New Year for New Year's resolutions, but I haven't done it at that time of year. Um, but I, I've sat down and I've said, right, what are the things that I want to do with my life? What are the things that I enjoy in life? And am I doing them? Am I doing them daily? And if I'm not doing them daily, am I doing them regularly? Did you write these down, or yeah, how yeah, did you no, sort of bring them to your own attention? So on more than one occasion now, yeah, I've sat down and I've made a list, and then I've said, right, 
which of those things could I actually do on a daily basis? And which of those things are not practical to do on a daily basis? And if they are, are they practical to do on a weekly basis? And are they practical to do uh, on a monthly or, or, or you know, every couple of months? Um, and said to myself, right, you know, now how do I build that into my routines? How Would do I make that Would you mind sharing some examples of us? Yeah. Um, in fact, I might even have... I might even have the last time I, r I did it written down. Paul here. goes to notebook. Um, so this is the last one that I did. So the things I wrote down on my list, some of these are very sad uh, uh, and very teacher. <laughs> only, share, only share what you want. <laughs> so I, things I wrote down are that I want to do with my life, things that I enjoy doing that I think are important. So swimming, uh, reading, both nonfiction and fiction, listening to music, listening to live music, reading with my youngest son, um, spending time um, with just me and my wife, um, playing the guitar, uh, drawing um, and illustrating. You know, I really enjoy doing that kind of things. Um, cooking something from, from scratch, um, going to, uh, I love film and cinema, um, those kind of things. So I kind of wrote down, wrote, wrote down lists, a list like that. And then I thought, right, which of those can I build into my daily routine? Which of those can I try and build into my weekly routine? Which can I try and build into longer-term routines? It's a really lovely tool. Really simple, really clear. But, and when you were saying some of the things there, like listen to music, mm -hmm. you might think that, well, what do you mean you easy to just listen to music? But we, you can forget to do mm. these things, can't you? Simple, but often neglected. Yeah. And you know, and when and, you, and so I guess the next step that how we live our, you know, from the Annie Dillard quote, is that then I don't just make that list. I then try and find ways to make it my habit. So I try and make it into a habit-forming thing. So first thing in the morning when I come in, and you know, I I put on uh, my in one of my computers, I put on Classic FM, and I put some some music on. You know, it's Classic FM is the reason it's Classic FM is is not that's the only music that I listen to, but when I'm working. I can't concentrate with stuff that I like to sing along to. Yeah. My brain just wanders onto the music too much. So I put that on. That's part of my routine. It's like nice background yeah. noise. I go swimming every morning, you know, and, you know, I don't I do not do mindfulness um, or meditation. Uh, but as I think I've said to you guys before, you know, for me, uh, it used to be running, but since my knees have deteriorated, uh, disintegrate. You might think that there's <laughs> like an old wizard looking man <laughs> sat in front of me with a long white beard. <laughs> Paul, he's not that old. <laughs> Unfortunately, my knees are. Uh, so now it's swimming. But, I, you know, th that's probably for me the closest sort of point where I have real sort of meditation, yeah, like mindful, I think you know, everyone focus. gets their mindfulness from different, in mm. different ways. Whether it be that sort of formal side of things where you're taking time out of your day to sit and just close your eyes and, and use it that way or whether it's something that you get from running or swimming or mm. or taking the dog for a walk or going for a walk. I mean, uh, and, you know, one of the, th you know, I, t I swim every morning. It's part of my routine. I get up early to do that and I do it before I come to work. But I go through, you know, the, the benefits for my mental health and well-being of that are, are huge. You were just saying before, weren't you, that this morning was a bit of a struggle. Mm. There was a few too many snooze buttons. Yeah. So then I suppose the question could be, well, if it's... If you could spend that time in bed, mm. then why are you doing it? What is the benefit? I think, you know, such is the feeling of well-being as I walk out of where the gym where I go swimming in the morning, no matter whether it's raining or whether it's a glorious sunny day. The genuine feeling of, of 
feeling physically good. You know, I've got the blood pumping. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've exercised. So I've had that time in which I can't, I can't have the radio on. I can't have anybody else talk to me. It's just me and myself inside my own head yeah. for 30 minutes Mindfulness. in the morning. Um, and, you know, I, I, I rumble over things that are bothering me. I, you know, I cogitate over things like that. I think about friends I haven't been in touch with for a while and I've kind of composed the text message I'm going to send when I get out of the pool. Uh, you know, I think about, you know, all sorts of different things. Um, and then I get out of the pool, I have a shower, you know, I, I, and I walk out of that gym and I feel physically really well and I feel ready for the day. And I'm so energized that my first hour at work, if I had not got up at that time and I'd slept for the hour that I've gone to the gym, gone swimming, got out, got showered, got changed and driven to work, um, I will achieve a third of what I will in the hour when I get to work because I'm wow. I'm ready and I, I really feel that difference so much so that on mornings like this morning when I am really not feeling like I want to jump out of bed that is such a strong pull on my on my thing that I th I know the difference in how I'm going to feel an hour from getting out of bed yeah that in and, and you know I have to get up at you know five quarter to six you know to, to get to the gym to be able to swim before coming into work so it's a you know it's a painful get up but you know it's, it's such a powerful tool that you know it will mental sort of hinge for me it's like well I'm, I, I make myself do it because I feel better so I know I'll feel so much better yeah and I'm sure you know them first few times maybe a bit more of a struggle but now you've experienced that mm. that it's self-propelling them endorphins that buzz mm. uh, as you walk out the gym there yeah and and therefore the amount of work you can get done in them first few hours yeah that's how you build a habit, I suppose. Yeah. It's like you have to experience it, so you have to give it a go. Yeah, and then, you know, some of the other sort of habits, you know, that are there are, 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 are kind of easier than that one. But, um, you know, I have a fiction and a non-fiction book by my bedside. I always read before I go to bed. I've always read uh, before I go to bed anyway. Um, but I now have both, and I now consciously read both. Um, and I, depending on what mood I'm in, I start with either fiction or non-fiction. Um, and you know that's it's just simple. It's just a little thing like that. But you know, I read to my son. I ma you know make make myself do it because I'm always tired and he's always tired and it's always like oh you know do I want to? But as soon as I start doing it, I love it because you know I read books that I wouldn't normally read. You know I don't you know reading you know David Baddiel and David Williams uh, and <laughs> Roald Dahl uh, isn't my normal choice of nonfiction, but they're, they're great writers and they're very funny yeah. uh, and you know it's really special time with my son at a time now where you know because my oldest son's 13 now and he doesn't he's not interested in the slightest in reading to me with me or to me uh, or being read to um, I kind of know I've got to cherish it yeah but that makes it all the more special yeah and, uh, and all the more you know positive from a well-being point of view as well you know it's a real connection time between me and my son that w you know when i'm a busy man and i work long hours you know that, that i don't always get with him yeah. um so you know whereas i do other things with my with my eldest son um you know that, that that have that um with my youngest son it's a really nice nice thing and again it's a habit thing that build in um you know that's just make myself do it um, and, ma and it is now such a habit that he, he's, he, you know, children are brilliant at keeping you in good habits, aren't they? Because, you know, he's say, you know, Dad, you need to read to me. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you're right, I do need to read to <laughs> you. Yeah. I have promised you and myself that I will always do that. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's just so interesting to hear you say about it's not always um, an easy thing for you. Like, for instance, again, this morning or when you're 
you, you want to read to your son, sometimes you're tired, mm. or in the morning... Or I know, haven't eaten my dinner yet. Or you haven't eaten dinner, it's hard to get up in the morning. Yeah. I think sometimes when people think about their own well-being, to then do something that's difficult and sometimes effortful, a bit of a drag, yeah. effortful, it, it sometimes doesn't add up. It's like, whoa, uh, no. Yeah, it's but one you're, it's you're talking about the long-term benefits yeah. and sort of... It's one of the things that I've learned. I've learned that your own, you know, sometimes thinking that what you you don't in the moment sometimes you you think the best thing to do is to switch off that what you need is to relax and to almost lose yourself in just watching tv or whatever like that mm. and actually one of the things that i've kind of been much more conscious of is how looking after yourself is effortful but you you it's about habit and about keeping the end in mind yeah um and not being not letting yourself get into that that frame of mind uh, in which you're you f- you're saying what you need is to shut down and to and to think but actually to say to yourself really and to kind of reflect what do i actually need so sometimes when i come home from work my i i feel like what i need is time to myself you know, I've been on, sh- you know, a job like teaching and you're on show all day. Yeah. You're interacting with people all day. It's not a day, uh, uh, you know, despite what some people think when as a senior leader in a school, you know, I'm not sat at my desk all day, uh, you know, doing emails. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm out and about. I'm interacting with people all the time and I'm interacting in such a way that it's high pressured because sometimes it's at the front of an assembly full of 240 kids like it was this afternoon talking about International Women's Day. Sometimes it's one to one with a child who's a heightened sense of emotion, who's, you know, causing trouble or finding life really difficult at school uh, and is, you know, is rebelling and, and you need to try and, you know, both make sure their behavior doesn't negatively impact on themselves and other people's learning but also try and find a connection with them that's going to help bring them out of that state that's that's causing them damage and harm you know to moving into working with a member of staff who's feeling in the same way to having a you know a, a meeting with someone about what we're looking at for the for the next steps all of those things all the time are pressured but in a positive way interactions with human beings so you're constantly you know being watched be you know in engaging with people in different ways throughout your day yeah um and that's setting aside you know teaching lessons and you know doing duty busy man i told you all of those bits you know mean that sometimes you what you think you need when you get home is just to shut down on the communication and the 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 human interaction and yet actually if you just take a moment and i quite do often do this before i get out of the car when i get home so I don't just jump out of the car and run in the house, even when I know everyone's waiting for me. Um, I will always take literally, usually it's between sort of 15 and 30 seconds of turning the engine of the car off and just say, this is the first time the family have seen me in a day. Yeah. So if you think about the facts I said before, I go off at 5.30, 5.45 to the gym to swim. I'm out of the house before everyone else is awake. So quite often that time when I want to walk through the door uh, and just collapse in a heap is the first time my sons and my wife have seen me. And I remind myself of that before I go in the house. And just taking the time to do that reminds me of my other roles that are actually, you take your Annie Dillard quote back again, are actually roles that in the greater scheme of things are more important to me in my life. Yeah. 
than my professional roles. While I take, I love my job, take my you know professional life very seriously. You know, if I- if I look back on my my life in forty years from now, um, I'm not going to be saying oh, I did a really good job. Uh, you know, teaching that year twelve politics lesson on socialism. I'm going to be thinking, did I do a good job as a dad, and did I do a good oh. job as a husband, uh, and as a friend? And so, you know, those things can get lost. So, and they're not good. For, it's not good for your well-being if you if you neglect them. No. You know, you actually start to, f- you know, to feel like you're not who you want to be if you're not giving, making, taking the effort to give that time to those things as well. And so, you know, while yeah, of course you get tired. Um, you know, it's often re-energizing when you just shift where the focus is. You know, so you feel like what you want is to step away, but actually. You know what you find when you start talking with your family about other things is that you know it's just different. It's yeah. it's not it's not more of the same, and it's actually often you know refreshing and energising to do that. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, really, really interesting, and I don't want to keep you much longer as it is Friday night. Um, <laughs> yeah, and part of my part I'm of my work life balance is about going to the pub. Yeah, so <laughs> on a Friday. I, I'm sat here <laughs> listening to you say this, thinking, oh no. He needs to go for a drink. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I can't let you go without asking you about emails. Yeah. Um, is that something you wouldn't mind sharing? Yeah, no, you're looking at my notes board, which has got a whole thing about how I deal with emails. Uh, oh, well, I think this is really important. And a phrase that says inboxication, which I think I quite like. Uh, as I, That's why that's on my board. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I read a book um, and it's by a guy called Cyril. I think it's pronounced Poupon or purpon um uh and because i was you know in my quest for my own health and well-being i realized that and a bit like the digital native thing you know when i first i was when i first started teaching 20 years ago if you want to get a message or a memo to every member of staff pigeon you put it in their pigeonhole (laughs) oh right (laughs) it wasn't quite pigeon (laughs) (laughs) but you you know you i remember typing out memos printing them out cutting them up into slips and putting them in everybody's pigeonhole if i wanted to tell everybody something which wasn't very often back then because i didn't have a lot of things i wanted to say to everybody but um you know that that kind of thing it was a very different world and more than a lot of the other things we're saying about teacher well-being, you know, the the email and the inbox and the fact that your students can email you, parents can email you, colleagues can email you, senior leaders can email you, people from other schools can email you, and managing that, and not only that, but also all the spam adverts for training and everything else that's yeah. that's there. And I know we've talked about you trying to cut through all of that yeah. to, sh- to email <laughs> schools for what Mindfuel are trying to do and we not be seen as just another. I yeah, no, I know, I know <laughs> I, I, and I feel your pain because I'm I've been on the other end of the, the, the side where even though I know everything that Mindfuel are about and totally support and buy into everything that, that is your value and what that you value and your values and ethos. Um, you wouldn't get through to me on my inbox. I just, right. n- I know you wouldn't if I didn't know you. Yeah. Because if I see a name I don't know and it's trying to sell me something or trying to rec- you know, say something about training CPD, it gets straight into the, 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 the delete pile because of the, 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 the volume of traffic that I have to deal with. Um, but yeah, no, I have that that flowchart that, so like flow that I stole. Right, so. Yeah, that I stole from that book, which basically says, you know, I look at I, for a start. I don't check my inbox all the time. I have set times when I do that, 
um, because you just then get into th and literally uh, that was from a, a, a learning from my mistakes. I was getting really stressed because I had it on my phone, I had it on my computer, and I was checking emails. The first time I sat down at any, uh, at any time with my phone or my computer, I checked my emails. Well, then you start acting on the v the first email that causes any kind of emotional response, like oh, I haven't done that. Yeah. Uh, I need to get that done. Yeah. Um, or um, you know whatever it is. Um, or it's high, it's highly emotive, and so you think, oh, they're making a complaint, or they've so got an issue. I need to respond quickly to that, um, and then I wouldn't do the thing that I was meant to be doing in that moment, and I was just getting into this cycle. Um, and so, you know, realizing that that, that I wasn't managing it well, um, I, that was when I read the book. The book's called um, "Work Better, Live uh, Work Smarter, Live Better." Uh, by Cyril Poupon and there are other books with the same title so you have to check it's by him if you want to buy that book um, but it, that's where I stole the flowchart from and so it's set you check set times when you check your emails and be really self-disciplined about not checking them when you when you're in, when you're doing something else and the whole thing is uh, the bigger picture before the flowchart is that your calendar a diary should dictate your work uh, not your inbox your inbox is a communication tool. Your diary is your planning tool for how you organize your time. So put into your diary an hour to check an action emails, yes. But spend inordinate every spare gap checking emails and then acting on emails as and them dictating your day. That's not good for your health and well-being. That's not good for your, your you know, actually your productivity in, in your work either. So that so I so for me, and you know, I use Outlook. You know, I don't want to advertise Microsoft, but I use Outlook. There are um, other, there are uh, yeah, other, uh, uh, other, other, other forms of calendar and email are available. Um, but I, so I live by the calendar tool. So even that, so the swimming pings up reminder as well after my alarm goes off and says swimming. So I don't not only do my phone wake me up in the morning with an alarm, um, but a little thing says swimming, and it helps trigger the habit uh, that's in there. But so I do schedule a lot of stuff. But what I do, the key thing I do with this is that when I go through my inbox, I use this flowchart. So the first of all, decide, do I need to do something? What is the logical next step? If the answer is no, I don't need to do something, then I file or delete, simple. Right? If the answer is yes, then it's two questions. Can I do it in less than five minutes? And it's later, I need more than five minutes uh, to do it. Um, so if the answer is yes, then it's do it now. So, so if I don't you can do it in f less than five minutes, do it now. Yeah, and th that's why I'm just self-disciplined about when I'm checking my emails. So I don't want to check it at a time when I can't act. And I used to do that. So I used to be sitting on, you know, get my phone out while I'm on, on break duty on the canteen, um, you know, whatever, or not in the canteen because we don't allow them in the school building, but on break duty out on the field, I'd get my phone out and have a look at email. I can't action that email. So no. reading it is just stressing me Point out about the fact I know I've got to action it, but I can't do it yet. Yeah. Um, or e checking an email when I'm teaching. You know, I, I know I need to action it, but I can't because I've got to teach the students that are in front of me. So making sure that I'm only checking emails when I have got the time to action it there. And then like, if it's quick and I can action it in less than five minutes, do it now and then file or delete. If it needs me to go back later, then this is the really crucial bit that where the calendar bit comes in, is not just flag it and think about or, or wrote, write it down somewhere on a list. I put it into my calendar. I decide when I'm going to do it. I, if I think it needs a lot of time, then I, s I dedicate how much time I think I need to do it. And I look for when I'm going to do it, and I put that into my calendar. 
So, so you're, you're into your calendar goes when you're going to deal with emails. Yeah. And in fact, in Outlook, there is a, t- a tool where you can move an email into your calendar. Okay. So I do that quite often. So I move it into the calendar and then I move it within my calendar as to when I'm going to do it. So if I, s- if I look at it, uh, you know, if I, if I take it, so say I've had an email from you guys uh, and I think, they they want some feedback on some ideas. That's gonna, I can't do that. That's going to take more than five minutes. If it's a five minute quick one, yeah, let's meet at this time, whatever. But if I had an email from you that required me to think about my response and write a longer email, um, you know, people always think that the other person is like waiting on the end of the line and is going to be really annoyed if they don't get back to them. Um, and I think to myself, people. I always tell myself in those situations, if it's one of those ones which I'm scheduling to do later. The person at the other end of this is going to be far happier in three days' time to get a more detailed, thought-through email. And I, f- I remember you once sending send one back saying, thanks for the feedback, you clearly thought about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> rather than being annoyed that you know it's the next day and they've not got back to me, if, they when, if when they get a response, and they, people who, and it's part of you know, this kind of managing your inbox is about managing other people's expectations. When they get a response, they get one that's well thought through, well written, and, and shows that you've actually genuinely considered the email if they get that in two days time they're far happier than they get one back straight away in which you've not they've not you've not acted on the bit that they that part of what they've said the, the reality is is that you know that quick response when it's needed when it's when it's short sharp and simple great do it you know b- and but only check your emails when you know you can do that because you know, otherwise you're checking your emails because you've got a s- literally a spare gap and all you're doing is filling that gap with worry about what you've got to do later you know, and so and and I was used at one point learning from mistakes. I was in a really bad way of looking at my emails at ten thirty at night just before I went to bed. Yeah, good sleep after that. Yeah, <laughs> what an idiot! You know, what an idiot! And that's learning from mistakes. You know, and and you know, my wife would turn around and say, "You're tossing into you're 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 sighing." I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about that parental complaint email that I received. <laughs> and she'd be like, why did you read it? And I, th- and I couldn't think of a good reason why reading it was a good idea before I went to bed. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm really self-disciplined about that. I have a sh- shut-off time when I say I'm not going to do it. You know, I say I don't check emails unless I know I ca- I've got the time to action ones that require urgent action. And I don't, if I can't action it, then I'll always calendar for when I'm going to do it. Uh, and like I've said to you before, it's all about using those habits in a good way. So that habit that I'm in about the swimming and that, that I know I've got that really productive hour in the morning when I'm buzzing on the back of my swim and my, my equivalent of mindfulness. Um, so I'm mentally and physically feeling great. I always schedule stuff for that that I know I'm that, you know, that I think, yeah, that's a good time that uh, where I will really give that maximum attention and thought. So I almost use that as my, my golden hour. You know, if I've got something that's really, really, you know, professionally important or even personally important, you know, that I think, yeah, I'll do it then. I think that's a really simple but effective tool. And Mm. I'm sure you can you can massively vouch for that, can't you? Because we've been sort of in and out of this office for the last few years and it's been a permanent fixture. Yeah, there's other quotes have been shifted. The Annie Dillard one and that inbox one, they've they've been there sort of permanently and and they're pretty much our permanent fixtures. Others have come and gone. But yeah, live your your days how you want to live your life is a massive thing and I think it's huge and and that inbox one has been a lifesaver for me in terms of managing my day-to-day workload. And two great points to end on of a chat that I think has been amazingly insightful. Can't thank you enough for doing it. No, it's Thank a real you pleasure. very, very much. <laughs>